On August 20th, 2007, police in New Jersey received an anonymous tip that Liza Murphy, a 42-year-old mother of three, was missing. Officers went to her home and spoke with her husband, Joseph Murphy. He said that Liza had disappeared on August 19th, immediately after he had accused her of cheating on him. Joseph quickly became uncooperative with police, and four days later, he threw himself in front of a moving vehicle. That suicide attempt was unsuccessful, though, and law enforcement subsequently learned that Joseph Murphy's entire identity was fraudulent. His real name is Pascal Delahunty, and he had fraudulently immigrated to the United States with a stolen identity. From Trembling Leaf Media in Minneapolis, this is the Simply Vanished Podcast. I'm Josh Newville. And I'm Kathy Lee. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash simplyvanished today to get 10% off your first month. And of course, thank you to our amazing inside producers, Chastity, Elizabeth, Matt, Sean, and Courtney. You are all incredible. We thank you for your support, your kindness as we've continued to grow this podcast. And on that note, a rather large update regarding format before we press forward with today's episode. As you know, we launched this podcast as a serial or season-based investigative podcast in which we dive into a case in all its complexity, get to know the family and the other persons involved in the missing persons cases, and do our best to help advance the official investigation. I actually started it by myself and was stunned at how quickly the audience grew, how fast advertisers began knocking at the door, and how many family members, friends, and others from throughout the United States and Canada were reaching out to me and asking me to cover other unsolved missing persons cases. As a result, I made some changes in my personal and professional life. I also brought on a wonderful partner here at the podcast, Kathy, and we began experimenting with an approach that blends together that serial or seasonal-based approach with a more traditional episodic format, one that generally covers more unsolved missing persons cases, but in less episodes, usually one, sometimes two. Today is our fifth episode in that format, and although we've very much appreciated bringing additional attention to other unsolved missing persons cases, next week will be our sixth and final episode in that format. Moving forward, we will exclusively employ that seasonal, deep-dive, investigative approach that we took with Season 1. Yes, that means that we will cover less cases and be on air less frequently, but that's where our heart's at, that's where we can bring the quality that we want to bring to you, our listeners, but also to the family members of missing persons and others who are involved in these cases, such as the law enforcement and the reporters with whom we collaborate. We've received hundreds of missing persons that people want us to cover in more depth. And so we're going to start wading through all of these cases from throughout the United States and Canada and pick our next deep dive. I can't tell you right now when that will come out, but I can tell you that we are going to do it and we are going to do it well. So hit that subscribe button and stay tuned. You can also keep abreast of changes behind the scenes at simplyvanished.com inside. We will continue to do monthly updates for our insider members, particularly our partner and producer members, but we will also provide updates at the simplyvanished.com inside discussion forum. Again, thank you. And here's Kathy with Liza Murphy's case. 
On August 19, 2007, following an argument with her husband, Liza Murphy stormed out the door of her New Jersey home. She took nothing with her, leaving behind her cell phone, wallet, medication, and cigarettes. She was never seen again. Liza was 42 years old, petite, standing at 5'2 and 120 pounds. She was a mother of three and married to Joseph Murphy, a self-employed house painter. Joseph was an immigrant who had immigrated to America in the 1980s from his native Ireland, becoming a permanent resident in 1990. Married for almost 16 years, the couple had a tumultuous relationship. According to Liza's father, they had had problems since day one, and he speculated that the only reason his daughter stayed was for the children. He claimed that Murphy was verbally abusive, overly possessive, and pressured Liza on her whereabouts every time she left the house. His wife echoed her husband's sentiments about their daughter's marriage. Nothing she ever did was right, she said, and commented that Liza wasn't allowed any friends. She also acknowledged that the marriage had been troubled for years and noted Joseph's controlling nature. According to her parents, when she had stayed with them just before her disappearance, Joseph would call five or six times a day while she was there, questioning her whereabouts, who she was with, and where she was going. They further stated that Liza actually had to cut her vacation short to return home due to this harassment. That Sunday, the 19th, Joseph Murphy and Liza were at home. He had arranged for their three school-aged children to be out of their house for a few hours as he had planned to confront her over an affair she was having with another man. Alone in the house, he accused her of cheating on him. As evidence, he presented her with recordings of her phone calls, which he had been secretly taping. He demanded a divorce, telling her that he wanted her out of the house by the end of the week. According to Joseph, they argued for about 15 minutes, after which she left the house, heading on foot towards a nearby wooded area. By the next day, Liza still wasn't home. Her eldest daughter, who was only 13, started to become worried, so she then began calling around to her mom's friends, asking if her mom had been staying with any of them. It was those phone calls that alerted her friends that something was wrong. In an anonymous phone call, Liza's best friends, Donna and Michelle, called the police to report their friend missing, confident that Liza would not have left the house and her children overnight. In an interview with police that Monday, Joseph acknowledged the argument between the two of them and pointed out the personal belongings that Liza had left behind. Joseph claimed that he hadn't called police immediately because he assumed that his wife was simply staying away after the intense argument. As his lawyer, Joseph Rem, would later state, quote, bolting out the front door after an emotional confrontation was par for the course for her. His lawyer further explained that Joseph not reporting his wife missing was natural, as he had simply not wanted to call the police to his home for what his lawyer classified as a, quote, marital spat. In the days that followed, police implemented extensive search efforts. Following their conversation with Joseph, CSI cordoned off the home, searching both the house and the backyard. They examined Joshua's work van and towed Liza's Jeep off to be processed for evidence. The Bergen County Canine Unit and police officers searched the wooded area that Liza had allegedly been walking towards before her disappearance. It was during these search efforts that the case took a turn. On Thursday morning, August 23rd, which was just four days after his wife's disappearance, while the police scoured his neighborhood and home, Joseph made his own plans. At around 10 a.m., Joseph drove his Benjamin Moore work van a mile down the road, parking it at a local bank. He then stepped in front of an oncoming bus. The bus, by some miracle, managed to swerve around him, as did the Lexus that followed. The third car, a local fire cruiser, did not. 
The Impala, driven by the on-duty fire prevention officer, struck Joseph straight on, coming to a stop over top of him. In what was no doubt a very grisly sight, it was stated that the first officer on the scene looked under the car and simply assumed the man was dead. Joseph, however, survived, although he suffered a litany of injuries, including a broken pelvis, broken ribs, facial injuries, and internal injuries. Witnesses would tell police that Joseph had been acting irrationally and repeatedly threw himself into oncoming traffic. A neighbor who went to visit Joseph at the behest of Joseph's sister stated that Joseph was facing possible surgery and months of rehab due to his extensive injuries. With their mom missing and their dad now in intensive care, Liza and Joseph's three children stayed with their aunt during this time. Both police and Joseph Murphy himself would characterize this incident as a suicide attempt. While critics were quick to attribute guilt as the motivating factor, his attorney, Rem, stated that it was grief rather than guilt that motivated his client, stating his wife was missing, which was traumatic, and now he's suspected of killing her, which doubles the pain. His reaction, if that was indeed the reason for his reaction, is, I think, understandable. The pressure of her being missing and him being a suspect in a murder that never occurred drove him to despondency. It would later come to light that this was not even the first time that Joseph had attempted to take his own life. 17 years prior, before Liza and Joseph were married in 91, the couple had separated. Emotionally overwhelmed and at the time an active alcoholic suffering from depression, it was then that Joseph had attempted suicide. The attempt was obviously unsuccessful, and in the intervening years, Joseph was treated for his depression and had since been sober for 11 years. In this most recent attempt, Joseph left behind three suicide notes, one for his sister, who was watching over his children, one for his children, and one to his wife, a fact that his lawyer offered up as proof that, quote, he believed and still believes that she was alive. As Joseph recovered in the ICU, police searched on. In addition to investigating the house, the backyard, and the nearby wooded area, they also canvassed the Oradell Reservoir, which was situated less than a mile from the home. The search was extensive. Over 200 people walked shoulder to shoulder through chest-high brush and bramble to search the massive 375-acre reservoir. They searched for any evidence of Liza's passage, or signs like disturbed ground perhaps indicating a shallow grave. They used cadaver dogs and ATVs. They launched boats into the reservoir to examine the water and shoreline, and used a helicopter to sweep the area with heat-detecting equipment and scour the cliffs of the Palisades. There was no evidence found. When asked about the search efforts that spanned 10 days and multiple departments, police chief Michael Sedino indicated that it was more a process of elimination rather than the presence of any leads, stating, quote, These searches are just to do things to cover all the bases. There is nothing to indicate she's in these woods. The police were not alone in their efforts. Donna, Liza's best friend, stated that she handed out almost 500 missing person flyers and contacted local media, The Nancy Grace Show, and America's Most Wanted. One commenter claiming to be a local stated they saw groups of teens searching dumpsters and putting sticks in the sewers looking for Liza. When asked, police stated that they were treating this like a missing persons case and that there was no evidence of foul play. Sedino stated, We are hoping that there is a chance that she is alive, that she would see the media blitz and see that it is time to get home. With the searches coming up empty and no leads to go on, police had nothing to do but re-interview the friends and family hoping that additional information would come forth. At the beginning of September, less than two weeks after Liza was last seen, and while her husband was still recovering from his injuries, a new twist emerged. 
During the investigation into Liza's whereabouts, police discovered that Joseph Murphy wasn't Joseph Murphy at all, but instead Pascal de la Hunte. It surfaced that he had entered the United States illegally before becoming a permanent resident in 1990 using a false name and birthday. The man now known as Joseph Murphy claimed in his 2005 name change application that he had abandoned the name of Delahunty in favor of the more Americanized Murphy when he came to the United States. Those that knew him recall that he also went by the first name Pat or Patrick for a few years before settling on Joshua. Also in his name change court filing, he attested that his birthday was April 13, 1963, which was nearly five years before the date on his driver's license of March 1968. It would later come to light that the original Joshua Murphy was a friend that Delahunty knew from Ireland that had passed in a motorcycle accident in 2001. As the investigation progressed, Joseph Murphy, as we will continue to refer to him as, to avoid confusion, was not the only one being scrutinized. Details of Liza's personal life were unearthed as well. At the time Liza went missing, she was facing two separate disorderly person complaints, one from a neighbor that allegedly often feuded with her, and one with her own brother, with whom she was estranged, and who was living directly across the street. In the recent years, officers had been called to the neighborhood a half dozen times on charges that were characterized as going back and forth. In addition to the police, court papers indicated that youth and family service caseworkers had made their own visits to the Broad Street home beginning five years earlier in 2002. Caseworkers cited reports from Emerson police as well as anonymous referrals. These claims were never substantiated, however, and the children remained in the home. Family Services was evolved again, however, a couple of years ago when a hospital worker of New Jersey reported to them that Liza had called a suicide hotline saying she wanted to kill herself. She was then involuntarily committed to a hospital and agreed to undergo therapy and substance abuse treatment. For the next 18 months, Liza received counseling for her abuse of prescription drugs and alcohol use, as well as individual therapy sessions. According to her family and friends, Liza had developed an addiction to prescription painkillers, which started during her treatment for fibromyalgia, a chronic condition that causes pain throughout the body. Within weeks of Liza's disappearance, her parents appeared to have already have given up hope of seeing her alive again. Her friends would insist that she would never leave her kids, or at the very least she would have attempted to get in contact with them to let them know she was okay. Her mother, Sophia, insisted that her daughter and her were extremely close and, quote, if she could, there's no way she wouldn't have contacted me. When they were first asked about the affair in the days immediately following Liza's disappearance, her closest friends and family would insist that there wasn't one. Her mother, Sophia, rejected the possibility that Liza could even be having an affair, citing Liza's chronic pain as well as how controlling Joseph was of her movements. Meanwhile, Donna, Liza's best friend, confirmed that she had developed a close friendship with another man, but insisted it wasn't sexual. As she put it, it was just like friends and maybe a little more than that but there was no sex. It was in an interview a year later that Donna changed her story. It was there that she acknowledged the affair, stating that Liza and the man were indeed in a relationship together, having met at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Police, aware of the extramarital affair, stated that they had interviewed the Westwood man, he had cooperated fully, and had been ruled out as a suspect. That same thing could not be said about Joseph Murphy. More on that after this word from our sponsor. Please note that BetterHelp Therapy Online is not a crisis line. If you or a loved one are experiencing a mental health emergency, please consider dialing 988 in the United States. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash simplyvanished. 
start living a better life today. New Year's is by far my favorite holiday of the year. It's that one time where we're all encouraged to sit down, think about where we've been, where we are, and where we'd like to be. I often find that New Year's is the time of the year that I feel like the best version of myself. And that's not surprising when you think about it. It's that act of conscious self-reflection that leads to goal setting and then changing of habits to be a better version of ourself that makes us feel so empowered. And when you're empowered, you can truly do great things. But sometimes life gets in the way. We get bogged down and feel overwhelmed and suddenly it's July and we're not showing up in the way that we want to. Working with a therapist can help us more regularly engage in that reflection to ensure that we feel empowered more frequently and that we can take on everything that life throws at us regardless of the time of year. And a BetterHelp therapist can help you do exactly that. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can begin more regularly having those conversations about where you are and where you'd like to be. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash SimplyVanished today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash SimplyVanished. The same thing could not be said about Joseph Murphy. Although he had spoken with police initially in a one-hour interview, after his accident, he had refused to do so again. While still in the hospital, he hired the trial lawyer Joseph Rim to represent him. Even though he had yet to be identified as a suspect, Rim said that Murphy hired him because he felt like he was being treated like one. Rim didn't allow his client to speak with police again, but continued to maintain his client's innocence. It was now a year into Liza's disappearance, and little to no progress had been made. Sergeant Buono shared his disappointment, saying, It's a frustrating case. We have no credible sightings of Liza Murphy. Of course, as a police officer, that doesn't bode well as far as her being out there. Now, according to police, they had followed up on every credible lead that they had received. On one rather strong lead, they had even driven to Rhode Island to investigate a potential sighting. Once there, while they did identify a woman with a strong physical resemblance, there was no Liza. They even, in what was a fairly novel idea in 2008, launched a special website to allow people to anonymously post information, tips, or clues. The now-defunct We Miss Liza Murphy does not appear to have actually helped in the investigation, but it did give locals a forum where they detailed search efforts or rehashed their past interactions with the family and just generally speculated. In the month leading up to the one-year anniversary of Liza's case, friends and family worked to make sure that she was not forgotten. They called reporters to run a story, and Liza's brother Tony created a sign on a 4x4 piece of plywood. It read, Liza is still missing, in large black spray-painted letters, and he propped it up in his front yard. Now, signs are a common method to bring awareness to missing persons, but in this instance, his front yard and the sign faced the house that Liza and Murphy had shared as he lived directly across the street. One commenter, who was allegedly a local, claimed that Liza's brother was not content with simply conspicuously placing a large sign. According to them, after reporters for the one-year anniversary story had left, Tony proceeded to flash his high beams into the home while honking on the car horn and yelling, forcing the cops to be called. While one could find his passion to find his sister admirable, it must also be remembered that Liza's three school-aged children also still lived in the home with their father, and it could not have been easy to be reminded that their mother was missing and that their uncle thought their father was responsible. In November of 2009, 
borough police scoured the land behind the American Legion building on Main Street following an anonymous tip that Liza's body had been there at one point in time. It was unclear if the tip indicated that the body had been there and then moved or was buried there still. For almost four hours, police and a cadaver dog scoured the wooded land between Main Street and the Oradell Reservoir, but found nothing. When asked about the search, Police Chief Michael Sedino stated, There are very little leads in this case, so we follow anything and everything that we can. Despite the search turning up nothing, family stated that they were gratified to know that, two years later, police were still receiving tips and following up on leads. Although the family always remained hopeful that Liza would return, by this time they were really just looking for closure. In an interview, her brother said, It stirs up the emotions again. This may sound strange, but I almost wanted them to find something. As much as I would love for her to walk through somebody's door, her disappearance is also just hanging out there. Their mother, Sophia, agreed. Closure would be nice, she said. You always hope that something could come of it, but you have to restrain yourself. It appeared that most people shared her family's belief that something bad had happened to Liza, despite the lack of evidence of any foul play. For many, it was not the fact that Liza walked away, it was the fact that she apparently walked away with nothing. As a now-retired Buono said in a 2015 interview, Liza, if you knew her, she was a person who had some medical issues. She was a heavy smoker, she lived on her phone, and she took prescription medication fairly regularly. I could understand and foresee having an argument with your spouse and abruptly leaving the home, but after a few minutes or an hour or two, you say, okay, I need my cigarettes, I need my cell phone, and if I'm going to leave and I know I'm leaving for good, I'm going to get my medication. And none of that happened. Comments on forums made similar observations as the now-retired police sergeant. They stated how unlikely it was that a heavy smoker like Liza, who had just gotten into a highly emotional confrontation with her husband, walked away without even taking her cigarettes. Commenters also wondered why she just didn't take her Jeep if she was planning on leaving, and made note that since she didn't have her cell phone, there was no way for her to call for a ride from anybody else. Also, as previously mentioned, Liza suffered from fibromyalgia, which is a disorder that causes pain throughout the body. The illness required her to take prescription medication to manage that pain, and that was also left behind. Further, some people speculated just how far Liza could have gotten on foot if she had to endure the pain caused by her condition when she didn't have her medicine. While Murphy would never be charged with Liza's disappearance, it would still cause him extensive legal trouble. As mentioned previously, during the course of investigation, it came out that Joseph Murphy had entered the country illegally and was using a false identity. It would take several years for this to come to fruition, but on Christmas Eve of 2014, Murphy was arrested in the home that he and Liza once shared. He was charged with one count of possession of a false driver's license and was placed in the county jail in lieu of a $350,000 bail. And that would be where he stayed for the next year. It wouldn't be until the following December where Murphy, as part of a plea deal, would plead guilty. In exchange for his guilty plea, he was sentenced to time served and required to self-deport to his native Ireland upon his release. Murphy was released in January of 2016 after serving 388 days in jail. He was then given just two weeks to return to Ireland or face three to five years imprisonment. Once there, he was also required to go to the U.S. Embassy to confirm his location and was then forbidden from ever returning to the United States. There were those that felt that Murphy's punishment was overly harsh. This was a man who had been in the States since the 80s and had three American-born children. And now, after over a year in jail, he was given just two weeks to sort out his affairs 
before being forced to return to a country that he had left three decades prior. His previous lawyer, Joseph Rem, felt that Murphy's immigration status was used more as a chance to punish Murphy for the disappearance of his wife, even though there was never any evidence of foul play, even this many years later. As Rem later stated, quote, To my knowledge, other than suspicious circumstances, they never had anything that remotely approached evidence, much less compelling evidence, to convict someone or even charge them. The county prosecutor disagreed with the assessment that Murphy was being punished for Liza's disappearance, returning with, It is disingenuous to suggest that law enforcement should turn its back and ignore someone that has not only entered this country illegally, but has defrauded both our federal and state government to do so. Now, through the years, although there has been nothing in the way of leads, there has been plenty in the way of speculation. And what is probably a natural conclusion when a spouse is the last one to see a missing person alive, there are those that believe that Liza never walked out the front door, but instead Joseph killed her somewhere inside the home. Perhaps the argument with her affair had gotten out of hand. Perhaps it was planned, which is why he arranged for his children to be out of the house so there would be no witnesses. To some, his guilt was solidified in their minds when he attempted to take his own life just days later. He wasn't miserable because the woman he had demanded a divorce from was gone. He was guilty because he had done something to her. Further, the timing of the attempt, the exact same time that the police were searching his house, was also suspicious to some. And regardless, if he wasn't guilty, why didn't he cooperate with police? Why did he never call to check for updates on the investigation or aid in the search efforts? Others didn't find this to be damning evidence of guilt. Joseph's lawyer had insisted from first being hired that his client did not speak to the police, fearing that his statements would be used to confirm preconceived notions rather than to find out what actually happened to Liza. Also, if he had intended to kill himself, which seems quite certain given how close he came to succeeding, why would he write a suicide letter addressed to Liza? If he was preparing for his final moments, why wouldn't it be a confession or clues to her whereabouts rather than make her a recipient of one of the three suicide notes that he had written. One theory that remained simply in the absence of any other evidence is that Liza just walked away from her life. She was facing divorce, and rather than endure the lengthy and expensive legal battle, she decided to just leave. Friends and family would insist that Liza would never walk out of her kids' lives, but it is a possibility that the police leave open. Another theory is that when Liza walked out the door that August, She was on her way to commit suicide, which was something that she had confessed to thinking about in the past. As recently as May of 2007, which was only three months before she would disappear, she told a caseworker that she felt depressed and was uncertain whether she was having suicidal thoughts. She was depressed in general, unhappy in her marriage, and her husband had just confronted her about her affair and had demanded a divorce. There is no evidence of this, but perhaps as a woman who had fairly recently been involuntarily committed and was still attending mandated therapy, she felt that her children could be taken away from her, which might have been a possibility she couldn't face. It would explain Liza walking out the door with nothing, although as a heavy smoker, even with this scenario, leaving behind the cigarettes gave some people pause. Also, her body has never been found, despite significant search efforts very early on, making others disregard this theory. One theory, which was posited by Joseph Lawyer, was that perhaps she had attempted to hitchhike and had been picked up by a serial killer. Why she would choose to hitchhike when she had her own car is unclear, but perhaps having already stormed out of the house, she didn't want to risk further confrontation by returning for her keys. Hitchhiking could be possible. Liza might have felt safe accepting a ride from someone so close to her own home, 
and perhaps she had only intended to get out of the neighborhood for a while, not wanting her husband to come after her before she was ready to talk. Through it all, the truest victims in this case have been Liza and Joseph's three children. The oldest was not even 14 when she called her mother's friends to see if they knew where she was, and the youngest was only seven. And in the days immediately following their mother's disappearance, instead of being able to navigate through the uncertainty and confusion, they further had to process their father's attempt at suicide. Their house was cordoned off as a potential crime scene, their father was in the ICU, and their mother was missing. And while the investigation failed to find any answers as to their mother's whereabouts, it instead found that their father was living under a false identity, something that would get him permanently banned from the United States. In the 15 years that Liza has been missing, she has been divorced in absentia, and both her parents and her brother Andrew Jr. have passed. Liza Murphy stands at 5'2 and weighed 120 pounds. She has various tattoos, including a red bird on her left ankle and a red and green rose on her left wrist. She was last seen wearing a brown tank top, a gray zip-up sweatshirt, blue denim shorts, and brown flip-flops. She was 42 years old when she went missing and would be 57 years old today. She is of Greek descent, but her naturally dark hair was bleached blonde when she went missing. I've been searching in the dark Trusting every has not been told is every corner of these woods is hollow I can't see
baby 